a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to season two of Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time, talking about it, laughing about it, having some fun. And the episode we're having some fun with this week is season two, episode one, Super Birthday Snake. It's a long bunny, huh? Sure is. Come on, bring him in here. Super Birthday Snake airing May 25th. 2003, of course, being in the second season now, we have jumped ahead a little bit, about six months from the last season one episode. So we've got a whole new set of pop culture to talk about and all sorts of stuff. I'm pretty excited for it. But as always, before we get to that, we got some other stuff to talk about. As for Aqua Teen news this week, there is none. I'm recording this January 6th, 2022, and nothing has been announced yet regarding the digital short series Aqua Donk side pieces or the film. So Yeah, not a whole lot to talk about there. As you guys know, we finished up season one here on the podcast, and I put out a retrospective episode last week. And thank you guys for the response to that. It was great to have some of you guys reach out to me about your thoughts on season one. I want to shout out patron Shinzo the Great for tagging me in his story outlining his three favorite episodes of the season. At number three, Shinzo had Dumber Dolls, number two, Bad Replicant, and number one, Mail Order Bride. A solid list. I mean, give give me a few weeks and my list would probably look exactly like that. Also on Instagram, I'd like to shout out Space World Snuff for leaving a great comment on the post corresponding to the season one retrospective asking, as a first season, how much out of 10? So what would I rank season one out of 10 as a first season? Which was uh, an interesting question. I tried to look at it in the context of Adult Swim at the time, what other shows were on that had more than one season, and how would I compare this to those shows in their first season? And with that in mind, I would have to give Aqua Teen a 10 out of 10, because, for example, Space Ghost, Home Movies, these are shows that didn't really find what they wanted to be in their first season. They were good shows, don't get me wrong, or rather those were good first seasons, but Aqua Teen really seemed to find itself over the course of that first season. As I said, we could follow that journey episode by episode and see so it's not like the first episode was what the show became obviously but by the end they really had locked in what the show was so because of that i give it a 10 out of 10 because you know i'm not going to reiterate the whole retrospective but just everything that aqua teen brought in season one that influenced the rest of the show i think is really undeniable while some other shows almost like they want to kind of forget their season one because it wasn't really right or the same as it would go on to be which is not the case with aqua teen yeah aqua teen changes but you know, for example, all the villains introduced in season one are, are some of the most popular still to this day from the series. So I think that kind of says it all. So yeah, 10 out of 10 as a season one for season one of Aqua Teen. So again, thank you to Space World Snuff for that interesting question. So moving on here, I have a voice clip that I totally needed to play in the Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the future episode of Aqua Teen, but I'm a dumb dumb and forgot. So I'm going to play it now because it's funny as hell. Ronald. Arise, for I am the ghost of Christmas past. Thousands of years ago, there was the cast of Pod, <laughs> King Podius, the plate of wit. Wait a minute. Oh. Curse this infernal time limit. Okay, 
I'll give you the short version. You are destined for greatness. Greatness to defeat the great chimpanzee <laughs> of Carlina. Uh, that does not make sense. I would explain that to you in detail. But for now, I will just support you and your podcast. Because it is your destiny and the destiny of Cornelius. <laughs> Goodbye. So that is the Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future. Telling me my fate, it seems. I am the I am the destined one to defeat the great chimpanzee. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to uh, maybe put it to sleep with my Aqua Teen Hunger Force knowledge and, and, or annoy it so that it leaves. I'm not entirely sure, but you know, I, I was visited by the cybernetic ghost, as you can hear. And I'm sure maybe around Thanksgiving time, he might pop up again and kind of fill me in on more of what kind of needs to go down here. So, all right, thank you for that voice message. If you would like to send in a voice message of your own, either your Aqua Teen Hunger Force origin story, any anecdotes about the show, your favorite episode, or of course your impression, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden, or check the show notes here and you can get hooked up that way. So before we continue, I want to reiterate the schedule changes coming to season two of the podcast where every last Monday of the month. On the free feed here, we'll have a community-based episode and kind of miscellaneous where I'll go over other Aqua Teen stuff. Maybe I can cover, you know, articles or, or YouTube videos or whatever about Aqua Teen there, as well as a bunch of other BS. And then on the Patreon feed, I will be covering the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters in the same way I cover these episodes. So I just wanted to mention that again here so you guys aren't surprised in case you didn't check out that four-minute episode or so that I put out earlier in the week or last week, I suppose, where I talked about all this good stuff. So that's it for our news or lack thereof, our community stuff, our housekeeping. Let's jump in and see what the heck is going on May 25th, 2003. It's been so long in pop culture. Now we got all new stuff to talk about. Let's cut the blabbering. Let's check it out. December 25th, 2003, the very night Super Birthday Snake airs. What's going on in the box office this week? Our number one hit film this week is cinematic masterpiece Bruce Almighty starring Jim Carrey as God after Morgan Freeman decides being God is too much and hands it off to old Bruce there, bringing in $67.9 million. There is no shared cast or crew here with Aqua Teen or any of its other related content. And I saw this one, I don't think in theaters, but definitely I've seen Bruce Almighty. It's a fun time. I don't mind I don't mind Jim Carrey. This one has a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Seems about right. It's not a bad movie, I don't think. It's not a great movie, but it's not a bad movie. Four years later, they would come out with Evan Almighty starring Steve Carell, which has a 5.4 on IMDb. And I saw that as well. I can't really remember it as much as Bruce Almighty. But I remember Evan Almighty, not as good. And it seems like that is the consensus here where... Evan Almighty didn't really need to happen. Back to Bruce Almighty, though, I'm looking at the trivia on IMDb, and it seems like there was a phone number used in the film that people tried to call, and usually they'll use a 555 phone number, because that's not a real phone number, but they used a real phone number, which caused all sorts of people to get bombarded in their certain area codes with phone calls of people who saw the movie wanting to talk to God or whatever, and then there's a phone number later used by Jim Carrey's character that's linked to a woman in Florida, so she got bombarded as well, so the producers of the show had to buy these two phone lines, or these uh, numbers, I suppose, and 
That way, nobody was getting harassed by Bruce Almighty fanatics. And after the movie came out, they, of course, went in and digitally changed these numbers to a 555 number to help mitigate this. Moving on to TV news real quick. On the 16th of this month, Cartoon Network retires Cartoon Cartoon Fridays. And in its place, starts airing Summer Fridays, which is dumb. It's not as fun to say. It's not as iconic. What were you thinking, Cartoon Network? Yeah, Cartoon Cartoon Fridays. Good time. I remember that as a kid. And I don't know if I could ever forgive them for retiring it. Completely unrelated, but I'd like to point out that on the 20th of this month, so five days previous, Buffy the Vampire Slayer airs its last episode. Very sad. R.I.P. Buffy. Saw it as a kid, like when it was airing, probably. Don't really remember much, but I know that David Boreanaz was in it, and he went on to do the show Angel, and my mom and my grandma are obsessed with him. So there's that. Heading on over to music for 2003, we have a very, very, very strange entry here, but let's check out the Billboard 200 top album for this week. Busted, it's too damn clock in the morning, where you been? Baby, didn't you get my two-way? I was with my girlfriend. You alive? I called Keisha and Tanya and they were both at home. But I didn't say them though. But they're only friends I know. Coming in in the number one slot this week, we have the Isley Brothers with their album Body Kiss. So this album sold 150,000 units this week, which is really good. What's weird about this is the Isley Brothers started in the 50s, right? This is their 29th studio album. And the interesting thing here is the album was basically entirely written by R. Kelly for the Isley Brothers. So just really weird. This is not a band you would expect to be making this kind of music. The lead singer, Ron Isley, was in his 60s when this was recorded. Just a very odd entry in their discography, but it did take over the number one spot. It was popular at the time, but if you go and listen to any other Isley Brothers classics, they are nothing like this, of course. It's just strange to me. I assume they approached R. Kelly to work with them or something, but to me, it's like, why didn't R. Kelly just record all these songs himself? Like, the Isley Brothers had been putting out music up to this point, and those other albums don't really sound like this one. So it's just a very strange entry in their discography and just a weird situation in total. Snoop Dogg is on this album, too. It's just, I don't understand what it's trying to be. But, I mean, clearly it was popular. It was the top-selling album this week, so I can't rag on it. It's just just raises a lot of questions. So that's enough of that interesting album. Moving on to our Billboard Hot 100 single. What do we got this week? Shake that thing, miss. Can I, can I shake that thing, miss? And I better shake that thing, yeah. Donna, Donna, Jordi and Rebecca. Woman, get busy. Just shake that booty non-stop when the beat drop. Just keep swinging it, get jiggy. Get drunk, up, percolate. Anything you want to call it, hostility. If I don't take pity, I want to see you again. We've got Get Busy by Sean Paul. This song not as interesting as I would have expected. It feels like I'm constantly waiting the whole time for something to happen in it. Uh, the most interesting part is that beginning there. That's the catchiest part to me. I mean, I'm missing something here because it was the most popular song this week. So I can't talk too much smack. But yeah, that is the song for the week. Not, not a whole lot to say about it. Moving on to our alternative Billboard track for the week. What do we got? We have Audio Slaves Like a Stone, this song off of their 2002 self-titled album, and this would be a good example of a supergroup. We talked about supergroups 
back in episode eight, Revenge of the Moon Knights. And Audio Slave is comprised of the band Rage Against the Machine, except for the singer. And the singer in Audio Slave is Chris Cornell from Soundgarden and his own solo work. So very popular group. And unfortunately, as most of you guys probably know, Chris Cornell took his own life in 2017. So very tragic there. A very, very great singer. And I grew up with this album, so I heard this song a lot. My mom would always have it on. So I recognize quite a few of the songs on this record, but I never really appreciated this song until recently after Chris Cornell's passing. I, as most people do when, you know, someone famous passes, was going through his work again and was just very impressed with, with how great this song and this album is. If you're looking for something cool, you can see Serge Tankian from System of a Down performing this with the same band from Audio Slave. It's really interesting. So we have Tom Morello, Brad Wilk, and Tim Comerford who were in, like I said, Rage Against the Machine, then they formed Audio Slave, and now they're in Prophets of Rage with two of the guys from Public Enemy. So it's really cool to see these three guys who started Rage Against the Machine really love working together and keep forming all these super groups together just because they all get along so well and like making music together. And that's it for the songs, but I have two bits of music news here that are kind of important, I think, because we've jumped ahead and they kind of establish things we can expect to see going forward and things that have influenced our lives today. And these two bits of news are this. On April 28th of 2003, Apple opens the iTunes Music Store offering 200,000 songs. Holy shit, 200,000 songs. That's got to be every song in the world. For download at a cost of 99 cents each. Only 99 cents? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't expect us ever to get any cheaper than that. More than 1 million songs are sold in the store's first week. So obviously that changes the course of music for the rest of history in a way. Uh, and then on May 21st, so four days previous to this Aqua Teen episode, Ruben Studdard wins the second season of American Idol, edging Clay Aiken. Okay, that's kind of a... Uh, Wikipedia kind of gave us a weird wording there, but all right. Yeah, so Clay Aiken loses American Idol, but he was kind of the favorite at the time if I recall correctly, and I get a feeling that we'll see something from him soon enough on the podcast. So, moving on to video games. What do we got this week? We've got two good games coming out this week. Not not monumental games, I don't think, but good games. First of all, we have on the 20th, Planetside 1 comes out on the PC, which is the only platform it ever comes to. And the interesting thing with that is it was developed and published by Sony. But, you know, Sony makes the PlayStation, but they never brought this game to PlayStation, I assume because of the mechanics involved. So Planetside is an MMO FPS, meaning massively multiplayer online first person shooter. So you would have giant maps with tons of people in them all doing their own thing and fighting for territories in the map. There's vehicles, you drive all over the place. There's three different factions that you, you join when, when you start. You join the faction you want to be in, and those three factions are fighting for control. I haven't played the original one, but I did play the second one for a few hours, and it was a lot of fun. Really ambitious games, and the scale is unlike anything I'm used to. I'm used to smaller, competitive games. So Planet Side 1, if you were rocking it at the time, you were probably pretty cool because this seemed pretty advanced for 2003. I, w I went back and watched some gameplay footage of the first game and just brought back all those wonderful memories of these mid-2000s, free-to-play low quality graphic kind of games not not to disparage it it looks fine but yeah also these are free to play which is really cool so that's one of our games this week planet side one coming to you and our other game is the rts rise of nations which also comes to pc so pc gamers rejoice 
on this week in 2003. Interesting fact overall is in the United States, at least, PC gaming was going down and console market share was going up. But we got two solid PC games this week. Rise of Nations, I've never played, but it's an RTS, a real-time strategy game. So you're kind of building out your nation, it looks like, and just all that kind of stuff. I really love these games, so I do need to play this at some point. I think there's more that came out since then. Let me look it up real quick. All right, so I was dead wrong. This is the only Rise of Nations game, although it was re-released in... 2014, I believe, as the extended edition, which came with its expansion pack and stuff. So yeah, this is the only version of the game, but it has overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, which is a uh, PC marketplace where you can buy games. So I think that says it all. I got to give this game a shot because this looks right up my alley. And speaking of RTS games from the early 2000s, I am so, so angry with myself, so upset because in the season one retrospective, I talked about my favorite games of 2002 when the first season of Aqua Teen ended. And a game called Stronghold Crusader came out in 2002 that is legitimately one of my favorite games of all time. I forgot it came out in 2002, so I didn't include it in that list, but that's an RTS game as well. More combat focused, I think, than a game like Rise of Nations. But yeah, Stronghold Crusader, a great game. And I know Rise of Nations is as well from everything I've seen, and I look forward to playing it. So that's our pop culture this week. Nothing super strong, but I'm just so thankful that it's not the same few things we had to keep talking about at the end of Aqua Teen Season 1. So we're on to bigger and better things here. I've, I've peeked ahead. I was, I was a little snooper boy and looked ahead at what we have coming up in terms of pop culture and all the categories. And we got some good stuff coming up. So I'm really excited about that. So all right, you just watched Jim Carrey play God. And then you're crying that Cartoon, cartoon Friday is over. You can't get Get Busy by Sean Paul out of your head. What is airing on Adult Swim this week? Well, I am here to tell you that. But before I do, there's some other things we got to touch on first. Because again, we jumped ahead six months about and some things on Adult Swim have changed. It's not the same Adult Swim we knew and loved before. It's a little different. So what is different? Well, first of all, they've picked up some new shows in 2003. So let's talk about those a little bit. I'm just going to touch on what the shows are, and then we can get a little bit more in depth as I usually do when we run across them in our weekly lineups. Most of these shows we probably won't really see, but I'll just mention them real quick. So first of all, we have Trigun, which will come up. So I will talk about Trigun a little bit later, but we also have Lupin the Third Part 2 and Rain the Conqueror joining Adult Swim, all three of those being anime. But the bigger point here is Adult Swim action has been moved to weekday nights or mainly every night except for Friday nights, I think. So instead of there being a specific anime block, now it's added on at the end of normal Adult Swim blocks like they used to do when Adult Swim launched and all they had was Cowboy Bebop. So we'll get into that a little bit more. On Cartoon Network, they got Yu Yu Hakusho and Dot Hack uh, slash slash sign or whatever. I don't know if we'll run across those because that's just labeled as, as Cartoon Network. But it's possible we do. I'm not really sure. Dot Hack was something I was always super interested in. I never really watched it or experienced anything from it, but I was really, really heavily into a Japanese Dot Hack online game that was basically just a chat room with avatars, but you could walk around and go into houses and stuff. Now, as I've said, I can't read Japanese, especially when I was a dumbass 12 year old. So. Through trial and error, I learned how to play the game a little bit, you know, how to get to certain spots, but I would meet some people speaking English and, and chat there. When I was like 10, 11, 12, I was super into the internet and how you could just chat with people. I thought that was the coolest thing. And now that I'm older, it's like, oh God, there's so many people all over the place. Like half of the internet these days is just like, Jesus Christ, there's too many people on this thing. 
But but yeah, dot hack I was always interested in. But again, I don't know that we'll see it in Adult Swim. But we have three non-anime shows that I think are worth talking about real quick that Adult Swim has picked up in 2003. First, we have Venture Brothers, an original show. So they didn't pick it up. They just started airing it in 2003. Although it didn't come out this week, so we're not going to talk about it here. But they also picked up Futurama in January, which as of this recording is now back to Adult Swim as of a couple weeks ago. And Family Guy was picked up in April. So Adult Swim getting some heavy hitters here with Futurama and Family Guy. Of course, at the time, these shows weren't as big as they are now because they were both canceled from Fox at the time. But, you know, these shows are legendary now. And Venture Bros as well has a cult following. A lot of people really love Venture Brothers. So those are the new shows we can kind of expect to see. So since we're not seeing any of those shows here except for Trigun... What I want to go into real quick is what Adult Swim looks like night to night. So Sunday nights is when we get like Aqua Teen, C-Lab 2021, our usual schedule. But on weeknights, the typical night would be Futurama, Family Guy, Lupin, Inuyasha, Trigun, and Cowboy Bebop. So they would have those two Fox shows and then some anime afterwards. But obviously, since this is an Aqua Teen podcast, we're only covering the Sunday nights when Aqua Teen originally aired. But all right, we've got one more change worth mentioning, and that is that Adult Swim has been pushed back an hour. Before it used to start at 10 p.m., now we're starting at 11 p.m. So what do we have at 11 p.m. on May 25th, 2003? We have Home Movies with its season three finale, Coffins and Cradles, a new episode. After that, we get a new episode of Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law, Dead Mutt Part 1. Now, Harvey Birdman, I assume we've touched on. I can't really recall if we have. But it's in the same kind of style as C-Lab, Aqua Teen, Space Ghost, those kinds of shows. But it's a little bit more produced, I want to say. It's a lot more famous people on it. Like you had Stephen Colbert on it and stuff. More People who went on to do bigger things, I feel like. Like Harvey Birdman was less weird. It was still weird, of course, because you had the character Harvey Birdman as an attorney for other Hanna-Barbera characters. And the cases are silly, but... The humor wasn't as edgy, I guess. And I could be wrong about this. I haven't seen every Harvey Birdman episode. And something I want to point out here is that this episode that is just airing May 25th, 2003 is a new episode. This is the seventh episode of Harvey Birdman's season one. This is their seventh episode they've put out. And you're thinking, yeah, so what? Did they start airing earlier in the year? No. Harvey Birdman was aired initially unannounced, just like Aqua Teen, on December 30th, 2000, alongside Aqua Teen, when both of, the, both of those pilots aired together. And Harvey Birdman was also present on the first day of Adult Swim. So Harvey Birdman has been around since Adult Swim launched, and they're just getting to their seventh episode here. So I don't know where Harvey Birdman goes after this, but yeah, like, like I said, in the vein of the shows we're used to on Adult Swim, but a little bit more presentable, maybe. That's a way to put it. So after Harvey Birdman at 11.45, we get this episode of Aqua Teen Super Birthday Snake, as you know, a new episode and a new season premiere. Let's go. After that, we get C-Lab 2021 at midnight with a new episode called Brain Switch. And then that's the last new episode for the night. 12.15 sees Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Warren, a 1998 rerun written by Matt Malero, co-creator of Aqua Teen, of course. At 12.30 a.m., we get the Oblongs with Misfit Love, the pilot episode. At 1 a.m., we get Trigun with BDN. Now, Trigun, an anime, I don't know a whole lot about it because I haven't seen it. I'm familiar with the main character and stuff. It looks cool, and I do want to see it because I'm sure it's good. But interesting note here is the show failed to garner a large audience in Japan during its original showing in 1998. 
but gained a substantial fan base following its United States premiere on Adult Swim in early 2003. So Adult Swim making Trigun popular just as it had done really for Family Guy, Futurama, all this other stuff. I can't speak so much to Futurama. I mean, I think Futurama was big enough at the time, but for sure, I think we can agree that Adult Swim really brought Family Guy back to life and, and made Fox interested in it again because they were still airing it and DVD sales were doing well. Anyways, last but not least, on this night, I guess now it is the morning of May 26th, 2003, at 1.30 a.m., we have Cowboy Bebop with The Real Folk Blues Part 1. And I know there's that Netflix live-action Cowboy Bebop that I've heard is not good, and I think it already got canceled. They're not going to make any more. I watched 10 minutes of it at first, and I mean, it was like, it seemed like it was fine, but it didn't really grab my attention. There's just a lot of things that don't translate one-to-one from anime to live-action, so I, I appreciate that they tried. It seems like they worked hard on it, but... I don't really see a way in which this could have worked, even under the best circumstances. So, all right, that's our night this week on Adult Swim. At 11 p.m., we have Home Movies, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, C-Lab 2021, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, The Oblongs, Trigun, and Cowboy Bebop. And there's one last thing I want to talk to you guys about before we jump into this episode of Aqua Teen, and that is, from what I can see, this is the first night of Adult Swim where they start using the white text on black background bumps. We also get the premiere of the Adult Swim logo being lowercase font in brackets like we're used to today. So thankfully, the one true wonderfly on YouTube uploaded his VHS copy of the commercials and the bumps to YouTube, and I'll put that link in the show notes. You can check that out. These are just so iconic, these these Adult Swim bumps. Anybody who's watched it has seen these, and I, I, I think it's crazy that this is the night they start. I wonder if they timed it with Aquatine. And that brings me into my next little pondering here is that how big of a deal was this new episode, this new season rather, of Aqua Teen premiering? It had been almost six months since the last new episode. And while that is a long time, we have to remember that in the show's original run in, in season one, specifically the first half of season one, there were long periods between new episodes. So I don't know. I, I'll have to look into some marketing material if I can find any from this period. And I'll let you guys know in a future episode how big of a deal this this new season of Aqua Teen was, but you know, I really have to assume it was one of their bigger shows. So I, I would think maybe that's why they timed the new bumps with it. I don't know. Previous to these bumps that we're used to, starting on January 12th, 2003, they replaced all the old people swimming graphics with animated safety manuals demonstrating techniques with the characters of the upcoming show. The uh, one for Aqua Teen that I can see, I don't know if there was more, but I'm seeing Shake, a woman blowing on his straw to resuscitate him. So yeah, they had about five months uh, of the safety manual bumps, and now we're going just right to the white text on black backgrounds. So RIP, the old people swimming, the iconic, you know, adult swim bumps that haunt the very back memories of my mind. I was so young, and I remember that coming on. And then we got the instruction manual for a brief period, and now we're on to what we are used to. Which is kind of a bummer in that there's really no audio aspect to the new bumps, as, as you guys probably know. And I like on this podcast, I was playing the All Kids Out of the Pool. We have an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force coming up. Those bumps, we're not going to get those anymore, sadly, but hey, it's all right. Times, they are a-changing. Real quick, though, those instruction manual bumps are cool because even shows that only had one season, like Mission Hill... The Oblongs, they had like the art in those bumps. It was just cool. It's, it's a cool way to tie all the shows together and really shows that the network cared about their content. But of course, there's no beat in the classic, baby. The white text on black backgrounds. Let's go. Let's get it. 
And I think on my social medias, specifically my Instagram, I will post the, the quick clip video of the shake getting resuscitated if anyone's interested in seeing that. Check the show notes for the link to my Instagram, otherwise at Pod. So all right, I think that's enough for now. Guys, are you ready to talk about season two of Aquatine? Because God damn it, this is the moment I've been waiting for when I started this podcast. This was what I was most excited for. My childhood is here. Let's go see what it has in store. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Light Beer. Are you trying to have a good time? Are you trying to party? Or are you trying to make a snake throw up? Well, have no fear. Light Beer is here, meeting all of your leisurely and vomit-inducing needs. Take a sip of some Light Beer found at a grocery store near you. Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, putting up their hard-earned cash, their hard-earned greens to support the show. This week, we have Bleach One signing on at the birthday dollar seed money tier, the $1 tier. Thank you so much, Bleach One. Appreciate having you on board. But signing up on the Patreon gets you more than just a dumbass shout-out by my stupid fucking face. You get more than that, guys. What are you getting? Well, this month, we're hopping in and covering the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters over on the Patreon feed where we will be doing so until we finish the movie, which will be, I, I would suspect, around eight episodes, hopefully. And, and by that point, you know, you got to assume that new film will be out. We'll jump into that one right afterwards. So one after another, both movies, as well as a handful of other episodes already there where I deep dive into other Adult Swim shows that aired the same week that the Aqua Teen episodes did. So when you sign up to the Patreon, you get access to all of this at once at the $5 and up level. And you can listen to these episodes on the Patreon. You can download the Patreon app on your phone, or you can just plug your custom RSS feed into whatever podcasting app you use and listen to it that way. But of course, I'm not here just trying to sell stuff. This is just a thank you to those who support the show, which I really do appreciate. But if you would like to support the show and can't do so financially, you of course still can just by sharing the show, posting about it on your social medias, wherever you're at. If you see anybody talking about Aqua Teen and you can maybe bump it into the conversation or not, I don't care. Let them know. But all right, you party animals. I know you're all sipping on your light beer right now. Let's talk about the snake. Let's see what's going on with the Aqua Teens. Airing May 25th, 2003, Super Birthday Snake is the first episode of season one, as we know, and the first episode of nine episodes beginning with the word super, eight of them all airing in order here, then broken up by the episode Meat Zone, episode nine, to be picked up again with super trivia, then after that, no more supers, but yeah. Dave and Matt on a real super kick here. We have lots of episodes starting with super, so you'll be hearing me say that word a lot over the next few months. And although Super Birthday Snake is the first to air from this season, it was not the first episode produced. It was the second episode produced. Again, according to Wikipedia, so where they're getting this from, I'm not entirely sure, although I would have to imagine there's some basis in reality somewhere there. The first actual episode produced for the season is Super Computer which doesn't air until a few weeks later. Supercomputer featuring John Glazer. I'm not sure why they would push this one back, but I, maybe John wasn't as big back in the day than he is now, you know, after being on Parks and Rec now and stuff like that. He's a lot bigger. You would think they would want to front end that more uh, in these days. But back then, I don't really know where his career was. So yeah, they decided to go with Super Birthday Snake instead. Something to point out here at the beginning is depending on how you're watching this episode, I assume most of you guys are going to watch it on HBO Max or whatever, but if you have the DVD version like I do, 
well, the contrast in this episode is messed up. Everything is darker than it's supposed to be. It's not as vibrant as it's supposed to be. This, of course, fixed on the HBO Max version and any other airing versions. But for whatever reason, the DVD version here got messed up. And I'm not really sure why that is or what caused that. But that's just the way it is. So I'll have to go to HBO Max, I think, to take all my screenshots for this episode for any social media posts because these DVD versions just don't look very good. It's just darker. Meatwad is almost a maroon color. It just doesn't look good. But I guess given the darker nature of the episode at points, it, it kind of works. It's kind of like a horror movie in a way because everything is a little darker. Everything feels just slightly off because of this. I don't know. I guess it kind of plays to its strengths a little bit. So my history with this episode, of course, grew up watching it, but this was never one of my favorites. I always liked this one, but because of the darker nature of it, maybe that kind of played into it a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I never was super crazy for this one, even though I did enjoy it. So let's see how diving into it changes my perception. So opening up this some bitch like we're used to from all of season one and through all of season two, we have a Dr. Weird cold opening skit. And I'm sad to say <laughs> this is the last season where we get these iconic openings, although we have 20 some odd episodes to go. So we're not quite done with them yet. But yes, this marks the final season of these classic Dr. Weird openers. And in this one, Dr. Weird is up to some shenanigans. He has fused his roommate Randall with a T-bone pork chop. So let's check this out. Gentlemen, I have genetically spliced the double helix of a fried pork chop with that of my roommate Randall. Whoa. Hell yes, whoa. <laughs> Come here, Randall, and pay your half <laughs> of the utilities. <laughs> So this Dr. Weird skit, maybe one day I'll rank all the all the Dr. Weird skits. This is one of my favorites because it's just so bizarre. It makes no sense. Why would Dr. Weird do this? He knows it's fucked up. He's like, hell yes, whoa, when Steve is freaked out about it. So it's just very, very strange. And then he demands Randall pay his half of the utilities. And Randall, I have to describe it. It's just this grotesque mixture of a, of a T-boned cut of meat with a human face on it. It has two little arms, only one of which seems to work. And then Dr. Weird picks it up by its arms and it's just like hanging there. It's so gross. And there's just teeth growing almost arbitrarily around the meat too, where the mouth is supposed to be. Oh, it's grotesque. It's, it's definitely kicking off season two, letting us know that the show is prepared to go darker than it did before. And it really does that in this episode. So not a Dr. Weird skit that really pertains to the episode as we were used to at the beginning of season one, where Dr. Weird is creating the monster or whatever it is that they deal with. But this is of the same tone as the Aqua Teen episode for sure. After that, though, we get the Aqua Teen intro, as always, same one up until a few seasons down the line, or more than a few, really, when they start changing it up and changing the show name. So nothing different for season two there. And then we get into the episode proper, our very first episode of season two. We open to Master Shake bringing inside a very, very long box telling me why that his bunny is here. Now, instantly we can see this isn't a bunny. And besides knowing the episode title, we can see that something is going on here. As per usual, when Master Shake is doing really anything nice for Meatwad in these early seasons. We open to him bringing the box inside, but we get a cut outside and we see their house. And we see this box going very long. It, it almost spans from inside the house, out the door, and then through the little patch of their front yard between their walkway and their driveway. So it's a very, very insanely, comically insanely long box. And looking at the outdoor shot of their house, it's the exact same that we would see in season one. You know, I don't want to say there's going to be no differences between backgrounds and stuff here. I I'm sure there are some small things. I'll try and look when I can to differentiate anything. The only thing I could differentiate here between the shot of this house and the one in the episode Love Mummy 
for example, from season one, is the outdoor lights lining the driveway are a little bit taller here than they were in that episode. But I can see in later season one episodes that those lights were the same size. So this isn't really a season one to two difference, but eventually they lengthened these lights. I don't know exactly where. And when I was checking all this in the episode Mail Order Bride, the second to last episode of season one, where the lights are the same size as they are here, I did notice an error or rather just a goof or whatever that I didn't pick up on originally. So I'll just mention it here for Mail Order Bride. And that is in the establishing shot of the Aqua Teen's house, there is a patch of snow over one of the lights. And you know, if you put snow on, let's say a rock, the rock is still there, right? Well, in this in this shot, the light is just gone. So the, the light is completely gone and there's a patch of snow there, which they had to do because they were just putting snow over the assets. So it was easier just to remove the light completely than to make a light with snow on it. But all right, I'm boring myself with this nitpicking conversation let's move into the episode and see what's going on with meatwad and his new bunny so we think meatwad your bunny rabbit showed up all right where is it Ooh, it's a long bunny huh sure is come on bring him in here come on hurry up i ain't got all day <laughs> no you know i'm putting it back outside now because you think i'm some kind of slave <laughs> you can bring the bunny rabbit in here now i need it then you get it it's your snake Last note. I thought you got me a rabbit. Rabbit. Well, maybe you should just open it up before you go <laughs> flying off the handle, judging things you don't know anything about. I don't know damn rabbit. <laughs> what do you know? It's a snake. <laughs> so we can see right away that we're going to get a great slice of life episode where the Aqua Teens are just dicking around at home, creating their own problems here. Master Shake has bought a snake for Meatwad, a very, very, very long snake, rather than the bunny rabbit that Meatwad wanted. We get some great episode opening banter between Meatwad and Shake, as we usually do when those two guys are hanging around together. I like Meatwad runs into the room when, when Shake says that your bunny rabbit's here and he's looking around. He's like, where is it? But but Shake is in the doorway bringing it in. Maybe Meatwad's just confused because the box that Shake is bringing in is so long. Obviously, it's not a box for a bunny rabbit. So that could be it. But I love Meatwad kind of gets a little dickish. He's like, come on, hurry up. I don't have all day. And yeah, just being kind of mean because Shake is bringing it in for him, even though it's not the package that he wanted. So Meatwad opens the box and the snake just starts coming out after Shake drops the box because he was getting annoyed by Meatwad. The, sh the snake just starts coming out. So let's jump back into the scene and see what happens with this new snake. I wanted a bunny rabbit. I was going to name him Nathan. That's Latin for warm, by the way. Nathan <laughs> Scott Phillips. Hey, look. Turn that frown upside down. You can still have a bunny rabbit. Really? With a little <laughs> imagination, of course. Oh, boy. And look what we have here. <laughs> Pipe cleaners, a stapler, and a pound of human hair. I can make some fur and shake some ears for him and staple it all to his head. <laughs> then you'll be able to have your very own long bunny rabbit that you designed. <laughs> it's your chance to play God. Master Shake has this whole thing figured out. So he got this snake for Meatwad and then prepared in the living room. There's a pile of human hair and pipe cleaners and a stapler. So that's just, that's what really made me laugh was seeing the, these props set up, how ridiculous all of this is. And even when I went back to, to edit that clip after I had recorded myself laughing and watching it again, I started just cracking up again because it's just so absurd and silly. I love it so much. But yeah, we hear in that clip what's going on, what Shake's intention was. And Miwad is upset because he wanted a bunny and that's what he was expecting. He was going to name it Nathan Scott Phillips which he says is Latin for warm, which isn't. And as a kid, though, 
I believed Meatwad, and I thought that. And I had a friend named Nathan, and my dumbass told him, oh, do you know that Nathan means warm in Latin? Like, I was spreading this fucking information around like it meant anything. And, you know, years later, guess I was wrong. According to Google, though, the Latin word for warm is calidum, or something along those lines. Anyways, there's some speculation that Nathan Scott Phillips is supposed to be named after the actor Nathan Phillips, but looking at Nathan Phillips's acting career at this point, he'd only been in a few films, so I don't know how likely it is that the creators of Aqua Team would have seen any of these movies. I don't know. It could very well be named after him, but I'm not entirely sure. Also, looking into these films, they all seem to be Australian, either television shows or films. So again, doesn't seem too likely, but if I ever get to talk to Dave, I'll ask him. So back to the episode. Yeah, Shake is is egging Meatwad on to staple this stuff onto the snake's head, which Meatwad is about to do that very thing. He's going to play God and create his own bunny rabbit that he designed, and let's hear how that goes. Hold still, Nathan. This will only hurt once. But damn, will it hurt. Ow! He's after you! He's thanking you for the gift of life. Really? Oh, that's a deep kiss, too, like the Europeans. United French, they have to unhinge their jaw to show love. Kind of feeling numb here. Is that supposed to really slow your breathing down like I'm kind of feeling? Well, that's emotion overtaking your nervous system. Well, come on, Nathan Scott Phillips. That's your name now. The snake gets, as you can imagine, and as you heard, infuriated. It starts biting Meatwad, and then it pulls back, and just so comically, its jaw unhinges, its head goes back into this insane obtuse angle. Its bottom and top jaw is almost touching its neck, and then it just chomps down Meatwad, completely filling its mouth with pure American meat. Why is that the phrasing I use for that? Jesus Christ. Wikipedia's gotten my head from earlier. Anyways... Shake is just laughing at this while Meatwad says that his breathing is starting to feel like it's slowing down. And then Master Shake is like, oh, that's fine. That's, that's, he's showing you love. And then Meatwad hops away with Nathan attached to him. So Meatwad can't roll because that would look strange with, with the snake biting down on him. So Meatwad hops away, still in the snake's mouth. After that, Frylock comes home and he inquires about the box and he kind of gets filled in on the situation piece by piece. This is a setup we're used to from the first season where Frylock kind of wanders into a scene that Shake has set up against Meatwad and he kind of figures out what's going on from there. So let's check that out. Did the bunny arrive yet? What bunny? <laughs> oh, yeah, that got here all right. And you know what? He has been very irresponsible with it. And it came in that box? I don't know. Whoa, 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 what is that over there? I don't know. I don't know. You're the <laughs> one with the computer. Look it up. It's going all the way back to Meatwad's room. Oh, my God. So as you can hear, Frylock sees the snake's tail slithering away because the snake is so long. It takes him quite a while to get into Meatwad's room. So Frylock, he sees the box and then he sees the snake's tail slithering away. So he follows it into Meatwad's room. I want to shout out real quick this Master Shake line of, you're the one with the computer, look it up. I, I, that, that's got to be one of my favorite Shake lines, honestly. It, it really fits his character well. I'd like to point out, too, that during all these scenes, Shake's recliner is not visible anywhere. It seems like they moved it out of the living room for some reason, uh, you know, to accommodate this box, but for a more practical reason for the creators of the show to have a bigger stage to move these characters around in because it would be too cramped with that recliner there with the big snake box, the snake coming out of it, all that stuff. There'd be no room, so they had to move the recliner out, which is something that they do from time to time. Moving on with this scene, Frylock goes into Meatwad's room where we see the snake, and then we pan over and we see a Meatwad-shaped 
lump in the snake's belly, I suppose. I don't really know the terminology for this, but but yeah, Nathan Scott Phillips has eaten Meatwad. It is revealed. He swallowed him whole. And real quick, I didn't explain what the snake looks like. Basically, its dominant color is almost a neon yellowish color, and there's a zigzag separating it all horizontally, where the top of the zigzag is a peach color. So it's a pretty interesting colored snake here. And I want to point out that its face kind of looks different between some shots. For example, when it first comes out of the box, it looks more docile and simplistic. But then later in this episode, it'll look up at Master Shake and its whole demeanor is different and it kind of looks different. It doesn't really look on model for the snake, but maybe that's just me being hypercritical. At the same time, with this off-model talk, it does allow for the snake to give a lot of really good expressive looks and stuff, so you can kind of tell what the snake is thinking, despite being an animal, you know, a snake that doesn't make faces in real life, but in the cartoon, they can get away with it without it being too cartoony. Because Aqua Teen overall doesn't really do a lot of super cartoony things, so, so this allows it to stay a bit more rooted in reality without it becoming too wacky. And of course, I, I can appreciate the silliness of that statement on a cartoon about talking food products. So moving on, like I said, Frylock goes into Meatwad's room where he sees that Nathan Scott Phillips has devoured Meatwad whole. Hey, where is Meatwad? Oh, there he is. I found him. Where? <laughs> hey, Frylock, look. Me and Nathan are cuddling from the inside. Oh my God, Frylock. You know what needs to be done. Just let it alone until he dissolves. Now help me get the tail in here so we can seal this room off forever. Shake not really wanting to help Meatwad out of Nathan Scott Phillips, but as you can imagine and expect, Frylock plans to get him out. Shake, get back. I'm gonna have to blow it open. Don't blow him open! This is Nathan Scott Phillips! He's my best friend! Stand back, Meatwad! Cover your ears! Ah, jeez, you gonna save him? Look, the snake's gotta eat! If you kill Nathan, I will hate you for the rest of my day! Meatwad, you... You don't mean that. You know you don't mean that. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. That's right, Sultan. Over here. To the camera, please. There's got to be another way. Touch your head up, please. I know. <laughs> head up. We'll make the snake throw meat wad up. So you hear a, a technological kind of beeping sound. That is Shake grabbing his camcorder when Frylock is going to blow the snake open. And I love Shake moving in after Frylock decides not to do it because, because Meatwad is imploring him not to do it. Meatwad says, this is my best friend. I'll never forgive you if you blow him open. So Shake moves in and is kind of rubbing it in Frylock's face that he failed at this. He's like, all right, head up, head up. He's trying to get all this on camera. Just, just funny. And I love the idea that Shake even has a camcorder. I would assume it's Frylock's and, and Shake is just playing with it. And the idea of a camcorder, a little outdated. Of course, you can buy nice handheld cameras if you're making, you know, films or something, which I suppose Shake might expect he could do at some point since he wants to be an actor. But yeah, these days you would just whip out your phone for this kind of thing. So a little funny to see. Back to the episode. Frylock says that he's going to make the snake throw Meatwad up. That way he doesn't have to kill Nathan Scott Phillips, who is Meatwad's best friend, even though Meatwad has known him for maybe a few minutes at this point. But, you know, I guess Meatwad doesn't really have many real friends that aren't fake dolls or Frylock, so I could see this being pretty monumental to him. Anyways, yeah, Frylock's going to get the snake to throw up, and Shake pitches in with how he might get the snake to do so. I have an idea. Let's just feed him some of that crap you made us eat for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, I threw up for three days. It was so disgusting. Ugh, pukes giving. Shake Duncan on Frylock's Thanksgiving meal. 
I have never been a huge fan of Thanksgiving food. So when they show this Thanksgiving food, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's about it. I mean, I've been to all sorts of Thanksgivings. Uh, overall, I mean, it's it's not like awful food, I don't think, but it's it's far and away from my favorite kind of food. I've never been somebody who obsessed about Thanksgiving like some people do. We cut to a plate of Thanksgiving food in front of Nathan Scott Phillips here, and they really draw it to look as awful as possible. It's, it's just a dreadful looking meal. We have green beans, what looks to be turkey, and what I assume is stuffing. For those unaware, stuffing is usually a bread mixed with herbs and stuff. You usually put it inside of a turkey or something along those lines. That's why it's called stuffing, because you stuff it inside of something. But yeah, yeah, uh, none of these foods I'm particularly crazy about. Green beans probably being my favorite of the three. And all of it is just coated in this disgusting looking gravy, which Shake will reference here in a minute. So we open to that plate sitting in front of Nathan Scott Phillips. And I want to point out that Meatwad is a little closer to Nathan Scott Phillips' head in this shot. Uh, before, Meatwad was a bit more down Nathan's stomach, but now Meatwad has gone up the stomach, it seems, closer to... to Nathan Scott Phillips head. And the reason for that is to frame this shot. They kind of move Meatwad around wherever they need him to be in the snake for whatever the shot calls for. Now, because it's important in this shot that we see the snake's head as well as the plate of food, they needed to move Meatwad up. Otherwise, it would just look strange wherever he would be in the snake. We might not even see Meatwad in the snake. So they had to move him up to remind the viewer that Meatwad is still inside the snake and they're trying to get him to throw up with this disgusting Thanksgiving meal, which is funny that you would expect the snake to even eat this. I can't believe that Frylock went along with this, but let's say the snake did eat it. Why would you expect it to feel sick from it like a human? Or <laughs> Okay, the Aquatines aren't humans, but they, they act like humans. Uh, like you would expect a, a humanized kind of being to act to this nasty food. I, I think an animal might be less picky in that regard. Anyways, moving to the next clip here where they discuss how the snake isn't eating the food. Shake actually comes up with a somewhat decent idea to get the snake to throw up. It, it seems like his first suggestion there wasn't a real suggestion. He was just dunking on Frylock for making a bad Thanksgiving meal, which I appreciate they touched on Thanksgiving here because later in the season, we will get a Thanksgiving episode where they do not eat normal Thanksgiving food, but we'll get to that when we get to it. So, so let's jump into the scene. Remember, Nathan Scott Phillips has the food, he's not eating it, they need to get him to throw up, and Shake's real suggestion to do that is to get the snake drunk. Damn it, he's not eating it! Of course he's not eating it because he's jailed fat! And I said that <laughs> at Thanksgiving, and here we are again! Here's what you do. Hey, Snakey, bring breaks! <laughs> you drunk yet, Snake? Yeah, you like that vodka going in, don't you? We'll see how you like it coming out! <laughs> I think he's just passed out. <laughs> So, so Shake comes in with a funnel, basically like a beer bong and some cans of beer. So the funny thing here is they have all these cans that say light beer on them, but Shake or rather Dana Snyder says you like that vodka going in. So it's kind of interesting here. It makes you wonder if there was an animation discrepancy, if it was supposed to be vodka going down, but they couldn't show that on Cartoon Network. That would be a little too extreme you know, pouring straight vodka down a snake's throat like that. And as as we'll see, right into Meatwad's mouth. But yeah, that would actually make sense that they would have to tone that down a little bit and just have some light beer cans that they're putting down his throat. But there are a lot of light beer cans. This being the same light beer can we see whenever they need a beer can. You know, we saw it in Cybernetic Goes to Christmas Past because Carl was drinking it, and we've seen it plenty of other times. When they have the Thanksgiving meal sitting there, I really like Meatwad chiming in with the, I liked it, when they're talking about 
how bad the meal was, which which is which is cute. You know, Meatwad speaking up for Frylock there, like, hey man, I like the meal. Although it seems, you know, Meatwad eats sand and stuff like that, so his his expectations aren't too high. But yeah, w- when they start pouring the alcohol down the snake's throats, I love the look on the snake's face. His eyes are kind of rolled back a little bit, like he's in this drunken stupor. But as I said before, the snake isn't the only one getting drunk. The snake passes out, but Meatwad appears to have a bit higher of tolerance. Meatwad, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, great. He's drunk. I'm not drunk. You're the drunk one. And you want to do something about it? Yeah, I'll do something about it. How about that? Ow. You like that? Ow. 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 You did it again. Ow. 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 You son Let's just kick him out of here. Ow. Ow. What? Ow. What are you looking at? Master Shake saying, what are you looking at to the snake? Because he starts kicking Meatwad in the snake's belly. And the snake looks up at Shake. Before before I touch on what happens next, I just I, I love drunk Meatwad. This season is off to such a great start because we never saw anything like that in the first season. We can see the show is getting a little bit edgier, which it will continue to do throughout the episode. Yeah, Meatwad is drunk. Just saying some funny drunk person lines like, I'm not drunk, you're the drunk one. And Give me another beer. I'm 21. <laughs> so so just hilarious because Dave Willis really puts a southern edge on Meatwad while he is drunk here. Reminder that the show is a southern show. It was made in Atlanta. A lot of the people involved with the show were from Atlanta as well. So we get that little southern flair. The big example of this is Meatwad saying, you some bitch, which notably is not in the captions, I noticed. So I wonder why that is, but but at the same time, Meatwad is in the snake's stomach, so all of his lines are are a bit muffled. Maybe that's why the transcriptionist didn't feel it was necessary to include. I don't know. But last thing I want to point out here is I love every time that Shake kicks Meatwad, we hear some liquid flowing inside the snake's stomach, which we kind of heard as an ambient sound earlier, but it really ramps up as Shake is kicking the snake, which I appreciate. We can see, you know, obviously production isn't crazy high in this episode compared to season one but i i'm noticing things are a little bit fancier i i guess the the scope is a little bit bigger so all right the scene ended there with shake kicking the snake or rather kicking meatwad inside the snake trying to kick meatwad out and the snake wakes up and looks at shake shake says what and we get this weird kind of cut that we don't normally get in the show Basically, a line goes across the screen transitioning the two scenes. The first scene being Shake standing by the snake looking at him, and the second scene being Shake now inside the snake. So the snake ate Shake, and I understand why they did this transition, because how in the fucking world would they show the snake eating Shake? I don't know how they would pull that off. It was extreme for the snake to fit Meatwad in its mouth, right? Because it had an unhinged jaw, and we didn't even see him fully swallow Meatwad. We just saw him biting Meatwad in one scene, and the next scene, Meatwad is in his stomach. Well, there's no way they show the snake eating Shake, because Shake is so big. And that's what makes it even funnier, is he somehow swallowed Shake, which he couldn't have done instantly. This would have taken a lot of time, so it's kind of funny that Shake was able to be caught this way. Kind of going back to Shake being inept, inefficient, and just the worst Aqua Teen in the group in terms of powers and abilities. Real quick, going back to the point of Shake being eaten by the snake, how it couldn't have been quick, Frylock was there. Frylock was standing right there as Shake was kicking the snake, so it doesn't make any sense. You would think Frylock would have stopped this from happening, but he seemingly didn't. And maybe you would think, oh, he wanted the snake to eat Shake, but he now has to get Shake out as well, so that doesn't seem to be the case. 
Anyways, we transition to this wonderful scene we're about to get of Shake now inside the snake. So his voice is also a little muted and muffled. But remember, Meatwad is still drunk. So he he can't abuse Meatwad in the same way that he was previously when he was outside the snake. Because now he's stuck inside the snake with a drunk Meatwad. He has to endure all of Meatwad's drunk-isms, I, I guess. And we'll see how Frylock has to deal with this. Ah, God, it smells like a brewery in here. Well, just keep shouting, you stupid. Frylock, <laughs> blow his head up. Do not kill him as a friend of mine. I just want to do it right Oh, will you shut up, you drunk? Boy, you just decide that I'm drunk. Ah, you can't decide. Shut up. I messed up this decision. Oh, my God. That decision is mine on God. Will you listen to yourself? Don't do that. <laughs> Now look. Then now, God. I choose, I make that decision. Do not listen to me, Wyatt. That wasn't a decision that was made. Split either. this sucker down the middle. All right. Hold your ears. Wait, don't. Wh what's wrong? Make sure the camera's on first. Yeah. All right. How's the light? Oh, lighting's good. Are they good? <laughs> yeah, Shake. Now, do not touch the F-stop. I'm not messing with your F-stop. You got me framed up? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're framed up. Make sure I'm framed up, then blow her to hell. Frylock blowing that snake open, but before we get to the aftermath of that, there's a lot going on in this scene, which I really appreciate. So we get the drunk Meatwad, and I could see this being a little overused, a little annoying at this point. This isn't really the kind of humor we we expect from this show, but what I love is, is Shake being the straight man here. Shake is just, oh God, like shut him up and all this stuff. Shake, Shake is kind of feeling what we might be feeling because Meatwad's being an idiot since he's so wasted at this point. And the reason I like this, and and I guess what I'm getting into with these tonal differences here, or, or potential tonal differences, is the show isn't like, haha, see, Meatwad is drunk, that's so funny. It's kind of like, oh my god, like he's being an idiot, and we're kind of laughing at him more so than with him, maybe depending on who you are, but but I like the, that the show isn't, like, that's not the joke. It's not, the, the joke at first was, haha, Meatwad is drunk, which is funny because we've never seen him drunk before. But then in the second part of him being drunk, it's just Shake reacting in this negative way towards it, just like being annoyed by it, which is really funny to me. We also get a really great joke here with Shake's camera because because Frylock decides enough is enough. I have to blow the snake open. And Shake's like, wait a second. Can like check the camera? Like, is everything good? Are we framed up and all this stuff? And, and Frylock's just kind of looking around. He's like, uh, yeah. And eventually we, we pan over to the camera, which is like upside down facing the wrong direction on the ground, which is really funny. I just It's like a, a, a cheap kind of visual gag that we don't normally get from this show. But it's funny in the context of that Master Shake wants it to be set up and it's not. So I think that that adds another level to the joke of Frolic doesn't give a fuck about what Master Shake wants. Frolic just has to do what he has to do right now and not worry about Shake's dumbass. Like, oh, we have to make this into a, into a video, which YouTube wasn't even a thing at this point. I, I suppose there were kind of like alternatives in terms of compilations of crazy videos. Maybe you could buy on VHS or something. But yeah, it, you you can't look at it in the in the realm of oh, this will go on YouTube because YouTube didn't exist yet. Internet speeds were slow. Although in the Aqua Teen world, they video chat all the time. But yeah, it, it's just Shay kind of wanting this footage for whatever reason, a reason I can't quite articulate because I can't remember uh, enough of this pre-YouTube time of what you would do with a video like this. So let, let's jump back into the clip because this is where the episode takes a turn. Frylock blows the snake open, but kind of strangely, I would expect Frylock would know better than this. He shoots his eye laser beam things at where Meatwad and Shake are at, which he should know would blow them up. So, yeah, like you would expect him to blow the snake's head off or something like that. Then they can cut 
the the snake open, get his friends out, and everything would be fine. But he he just blows up where they are, and as you would expect, this kills Meatwad and Shake as well. So I'll play that reveal real quick. Oh God, what have I done? So yeah, after all the flames and stuff, we see we see a pan around the room or just quick shots of the room where there is green goop everywhere. We see pieces of meat, pieces of shake straw, all this stuff. And the episode just takes a really dark turn. So season two kicking it off a little dark, edgier and darker than what we really got in season one outside of something like Dumber Dolls. I wonder if their intention was to do green goop or if they wanted to do like blood everywhere. But of course, they couldn't show that on Cartoon Network in 2003. So yeah, I wonder if they always wanted to do the green goop, which doesn't make sense because a snake doesn't have green blood. So so I don't know there. But but I also want to point out that the camcorder got exploded as well. The entire snake is gone, right? Like there's no pieces of snake because that would be too graphic. And also, you know, more to draw, more for the animation department and stuff like that. So it makes sense that it's a little bit simplified. But yeah, there is goop everywhere. So that definitely took some time to draw so okay let's jump back into the episode because because things get really crazy from here so we had frylock saying oh god what have i done and there's this this echo or or delay on it that's really interesting it's a really dramatic moment and we fade to black in that scene and then we open up to two crosses uh very crudely made crosses in the ground and we see there are fresh graves in front of them all of this being dirt and this is just a quick switch from from an episode that was very humorous we had drunk meatwad we had shake like oh god he's so annoying blow the snake open firelock and then we have the little skit about shake's camcorder and you know we're laughing the whole time and then boom firelock kills shake and meatwad and now they are buried in the ground we're opening to a funeral scene firelock and carl are at the funeral of meatwad and shake and and firelock is hugging onto and holding onto carl who isn't really having that so let's jump into the funeral scene Thanks for coming, Carl. Yeah, bye. I can't pretend to know what you're going through right now, but <clears throat> you let go, okay? Thank you. <laughs> if you need anything, you know who to look to. Someone else. If only we wouldn't have gotten him that pet. Don't. I mean, he would have been here today. Don't beat yourself up over it. There's nothing you can do about this. I mean, it, it kind of was your fault, but, <laughs> but hey, screw it. They're dead and you're not. I appreciate it, Carl. I really do. Is this a cemetery? This is a construction site, <laughs> isn't it? So on the other side of where this funeral is going on, we see a, a brick outline of a building <laughs> that's being built. And I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. I, I really feel like this was made for the show. So we have a, a new asset in the snake. We have... You know, the hair, the pipe cleaners that go on the snake's head, the stapler and all this stuff. And then we get this new background. We got a lot going on so far in this last half of the episode. And things just keep ramping up. We're gonna, we're about to get more new assets and stuff, showing off maybe that they have a little bit more money to play with for season two. But back to the funeral, we have Carl adding some humor into the scene because it's funny that Frylock just needs to hold somebody while both of his you know, brothers essentially have been killed. And Carl's like, all right, let go now. And then he says, if you need anything, you know who to look to, someone else. The classic Carl line here, kicking off in season two. But then Carl is like more realistic when he's like, don't beat yourself up about this and nothing you could have done. And then he's like, well, it kind of is your fault because it was, you know, I really want to point out 
that he could have blown the snake's head off and he didn't. He could have cut the snake's head off. He didn't even need to use his powers, although I suppose it's more humane. He he shot right where Meatwad and Shake were in the snake, although since he completely obliterated the snake, I suppose it wouldn't have mattered maybe where he shot the snake because the whole thing exploded. So from there, we get a real big tonal shift. Uh, we have Frylock on the phone, who he's talking to, no idea, because he hasn't been shown to have any other friends in all of season one. But he's on the phone with somebody, and his whole demeanor has changed. Uh, let's just jump into it. Yeah, thank God, man, they've held me down for too long. <laughs> Got the house all to myself. <laughs> now I can finally do what I've always wanted to do. Hang out with the wrong crowd. So uh, why don't you pick up a couple of bitches and come over tonight? Or I'll put a cigarette out your damn eye. Completely different demeanor from Frylock. And this is not the Frylock we've ever seen before. He's in the house on the phone, but he has his fries done back in cornrows. Or maybe braids. I, I am not super in on, on these cool guy hairstyles. And he's wearing a fur coat, a, a dark brown fur coat. But his arm is sticking out the side of it. Like his arms aren't even in the arms of the fur coat because one arm is coming out of the top of his head. The other one is down below holding a what's kind of like a pimp cane kind of thing. It has a skull on it with what looks to be ruby eyes. Also, Frylock is wearing little cool guy glasses. And I think he might have his ears pierced too or, or where his ears would be. Of course, he doesn't really have ears. And back to this coat real quick. It is tied around the waist really tight kind of below his beard here it just looks so strange you have to see it we we see frylock is a total bad boy now he's telling whoever's on the phone to bring some bitches over frylock is about to run around with the wrong crowd because his roommates were holding him back from this which i don't understand really how they were holding him back because you know they were both kind of bad in their own ways so if anything this would have encouraged frylock but yeah he's going to the dark side now so we get an establishing shot that it is now nighttime after that. And I'm not going to play this clip because there's not really a whole lot going on audio wise. And, and yeah, I'll just describe it because there's not really much dialogue. But basically, Frylock has two of his bitches over now. Uh, there is a white woman in a really small, tight tube top, a red tube top and and blue booty shorts, I suppose, with with red high heels on. And she is holding on to Frylock, licking the side of his head. And then there is a black woman standing next to him and, and she has on just kind of like a bra, a green bra. She has blue hair and she's got kind of these arm sleeves on, you know, like she's wearing a bra, but she has these like sleeves on as well. And then she is wearing black shorts, uh, what looks like pantyhose and then red high heels as well. But these ones like zip up. I don't know how to describe the differences between these shoes very well. But yeah, he's got two women here. The one girl's just licking the side of his head. And real quick, I want to point out there are beer cans all over the ground. Still, Shake's chair is gone, so I guess they've just been standing here drinking the whole time. I don't really understand. But yeah, there's beer cans all over the ground. And I want to point out that they're in a lot of the same configurations as we saw back in Meatwad's room when they were giving the snake alcohol. Uh, obviously, some of the props are different in terms of like where the cans are, but but there are a lot of the same groups. So I can tell they had a lot of these groups of cans saved as well because... Yeah, if you, if you just look at between the two scenes, there's a lot of the same configurations of the cans, how they're laying about together. So this being our second female characters of the show, although they have no dialogue. So we haven't had a real woman character yet who actually like talks with the Aqua Teens, but we'll get there. But yeah, yeah, we've just got two uh, perhaps women of the night hanging out with Frylock and he... 
He just says, oh, you jealous? You want some? He's saying this to the, the other lady who is not licking him. And then he says, oh, come on. Let's see what we got in the back room here. Oh, and bring your friend. I like her, the one, who, the one who's licking him. So that's that whole scene. Uh, yeah, uh, Frylock is getting it on. I mean, good for him that he's, he's uh, having some companionship, I suppose. But he is, he is being a bad boy here. This is not the Frylock we are used to. And I want to point out now that it's documented. Now, if I ever get to talk to Carrie, I'll, I'll ask him more about this. But it's documented that this is Carrie Means, the voice of Frylock, his favorite episode of the show. And I think that's clear for all of us why that is. It's because he's he's getting to be more than just a, a square. He's he's actually getting to explore more of, of Frylock's psychology, uh, what what he does in certain situations. Carrie Me- like Carrie Means is a real deal actor, right? Like he can do more than just this Frylock thing. And he's finally getting to express this because Frylock is the biggest role of his life, essentially. You know that that's certainly what he's most proud of. I feel like, but Frylock is the straight man of the group. But in this episode which we'll get into why a little bit later. But in this episode, Carrie gets to be something else other than, than just the straight man. Oh, what? What's going on here? Oh, my gosh. You know, he gets to be the bad guy. And and Carrie has said before in interviews that Frylock was supposed to be cool. That's why in, in Rabot, he speaks a little slower. He speaks a little bit deeper, a little cooler, because Frylock was supposed to be cool. But they kind of got rid of that. He became a, a more of a square. But right now, he gets to be the bad boy. And Carrie Means, I'm sure, had a lot of fun with this episode, this this Frylock-centric episode, where Frylock is the villain. We haven't gotten that yet. We've gotten Shake as the villain many times, and we've gotten Meatwad as the villain as well. For example, in Dumber Days, when he becomes an asshole. Obviously, villain there, kind of loose terms, and what Frylock did here is is probably objectively worse than what, what Shake or Meatwad have done, because he actually blew them up and killed them. Granted, it was an accident, Although a, a very negligent accident. But yeah, Frylock here is something more than just the straight man square. He's being the bad boy. He's got you, what you assume are some prostitutes at his house. He's running with the bad crowd now. He's just completely speaking differently. He's a whole different character. And I keep saying that these women are prostitutes because who else would be licking this floating fry box who has this coat on that his arms aren't even through. It's just, it's just so bizarre. But but yeah, that's that's that scene there. Not a whole lot, but but pivotal to the episode because we see what direction Frylock is going into. And then after that, we open to daytime outside the Aqua Teen's house and Carl is at the door. He's knocking at the door. So let's see what Carl wants. Here. It's a uh, fruit roll-up. <laughs> Bob's going to make you a casserole for you. For your loss, but, uh, but I didn't. Uh, thanks. I was gonna yell my brains out at you, but because of your loss, I might just gently ask, what happened last night with all the noise? Carl, <laughs> Carl, Carl. Why don't you mind your own damn business before I carve you up like a Christmas goose? You want to taste of what I did to that snake? Because I'll do it to you, too. Right, man. Lay in. <laughs> you change. <laughs> oh, for the better... Okay, so so Carl shows up because he's mad that there was so much noise last night. He offers Frylock a fruit roll-up <laughs> in condolence for his loss, which is just so, like, half-assed. I mean, and the fruit roll-up is open as well, which is funny. He doesn't give Frylock the pack. If you don't know what a fruit roll-up is, it's... Here, I'll just read the description. Fruit roll-ups is a brand of fruit snack that debuted in grocery stores across America in 1983. It is a flat pectin-based 
fruit-flavored snack rolled into a tube spread on a backing sheet of cellophane to prevent the product from sticking to itself. God, what an awful description. I mean, fruit roll-up when you're a kid is probably pretty fun. I mean, I, I had a few in my day, but as an adult, I, I couldn't imagine eating this shit. I mean, calling it a fruit snack, I feel like is extremely generous because it's all just sugar flavoring and then there's literally fucking plastic stuck to it that you peel off so that the whole thing doesn't just stick to itself in a giant sugary ball so th so that's what carl is giving to frylock a red fruit roll up that he un he uh, he unpackaged and unfurled for frylock he did all the heavy lifting there to hand to to frylock and frylock here doesn't have his new hairstyle he doesn't have his coat or anything he he looks like normal frylock now but he is very tired since it's assumed he was up late making noise all night long with his with his women there, which I mean, hey, go Frylock, I guess. But ultimately, that scene ends with Frylock. One of his fries turns into a, a scary looking metal blade. He shoves it into Carl and lifts Carl up, killing Carl. So Frylock is just a completely different beast now. Carl says, you've changed. Frylock says, oh, for the better as he's killing him and yeah frylock is just you know not the guy that we are used to anymore after that we have frylock in an alleyway the same alleyway that we saw in circus this being where master shake gave meatwad to randy the astonishing and frylock throws a garbage bag into the trash can there which you know we we know carl is inside he cut carl up and put him in the trash bag i don't know why he just didn't explode carl that'd be a little bit easier but hey why not so so yeah he throws the trash bag in the, in the trash and he says there goes the neighborhood and he laughs after that we cut it is nighttime we go back to where shake and meatwad are buried and then we have some dramatic music and then we see a green straw come out of the ground and then like a zombie version of Shake's hand come out of the ground too. So now we have a zombie element in the episode. This thing just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Frylock has killed everybody, and now we have some zombies about to come back. But before we get to that, we cut into the Aqua Teen's house. It's still nighttime, of course. It's the same time that the zombies have arisen. And we have Frylock. He is dousing the inside of the house with gasoline. So let's listen to that. Oh man, this is over. I'm done with this crib, you stupid ass dogs. I gotta have a pet. I gotta have a pet. <laughs> Should've stayed with them stupid ass dogs, ain't that right? <laughs> now they're all gonna have to go. So yeah, he douses the house in gasoline and then lights a, a lighter. It, it, it's, a, it's a long lighter, like the kind you would light a candle with maybe, but a little bit I wanna talk about there real quick. We see as he's dousing the pile of sand in Meatwad's bedroom, we have Dewey Vanessa, and we see Jiggle Billy's feet sticking out of the sand. So, so Meatwad still had Jiggle Billy, which I think is super, super appropriate for this episode because, like I said, Dumber Dolls was the first real dark episode of Aqua Teen, and this one by far I think eclipses that one. I mean, Dumber Dolls had some really dark stuff, some more human level kind of dark stuff, but this one has Frylock killing everybody, all this sorts of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, this one in that vein, and we have a little bit of Jiggle Billy sticking out, even though Jiggle Billy wasn't the dark one in, in Dumber Dolls, although he kind of became at the end because he blew his own head off, you know? Uh, just, yeah, just so appropriate to have him here. And I want to say Vanessa here, she has her mustache, I like to point out. Dewey and Vanessa, of course, being the dolls that Meatwad makes himself, Dewey being the toilet paper roll, and Vanessa being the apple. 
And while Frylock is dousing all that stuff, he starts imitating Meatwad, which is really funny. It's a pretty bad impression, and I don't know if this is Carrie Means trying to do a genuine Meatwad impression, or if this is supposed to just be Frylock's bad impression. I don't know. I didn't know what he was saying at all. I had to check the captions. He's saying, I gotta have a pet. I gotta have a pet, because it's Meatwad wanting a pet that caused all this. So Frylock has fully doused the house. He has the lighter lit, ready to go, and then there's a knock on the door. He opens the door, and there is some black stuff on the door where, where you would assume someone would knock, but there's nobody there. So he turns around, and then he sees Zombie Carl, Zombie Meatwad, and Zombie Shake standing there, and this scares Frylock and causes him to drop the lit lighter, even though these lighters, you know, they're safety lighters. It would go out the second you drop it, because you have to be holding two parts of the lighter for it to be lit. So this doesn't really make sense. You know, it, they should have had him with a Zippo lighter or something, a lighter that if you do drop it, it doesn't go out because all you do is light it once and it stays lit as opposed to these long lighters that you use for candles or whatever, where you have, you know, you have to be very involved to keep this thing lit. So this doesn't happen. But yeah, he drops this lighter and it sets the house on fire where, where all the gasoline was. So that'll play into this whole coming scene here. But the three zombies are here. So I'm going to play that scene I just described and leading in a bit more to what happens after that. Who is it? Hello? Who's there? Show yourselves. <sighs> what? Impossible. You killed us. I told you not to do it and you did it. Anyway. No, I, <laughs> I didn't. Yes, you did. Okay, I'm cutting this here. So... Anyone who has seen this episode, which I assume you have, we get about a minute straight uh, of them going back and forth, telling Frylock he killed them, him saying, no, I didn't, but then they keep saying, yes, you did. And it's funnier that I'm describing it, but I don't think I want to play it on the podcast, though, because I don't know how interesting that is for you to sit there and listen to this back and forth for a minute straight. What happens, what is funny, though, is eventually this will get interrupted and stuff. They'll have like a little conversation here and there between this, but then it goes back to, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Because, yeah, they're all accusing Frylock of killing them, which, I mean, objectively, he did. You know, he, he with his own negligence, he killed Meatwad and Shake, and then he purposely killed Carl with, with his blade fry. So he did it, but he keeps denying it. All right, look, I'll just play it because if you're listening to this podcast, you love the show and this is kind of an iconic part of the, of the episode. So I'll just play it. It's, you know, a minute long. So feel free to skip ahead in your podcast player if you don't want to hear this part. But yeah, it's all I'm saying. Yes, you did. And, and the, the tone changes throughout. It's pretty funny. And and as this is going on, the fire is growing larger and, and encompassing more of them. So they, they're moving closer together. You'll hear Frylock interrupt them, you know, tell me what. Oh, oh, watch out there. Oh, thank you. So so I'll just play it real quick uh, because, you know, we all love the show. So I, I won't be so self-conscious about it. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. 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 No, I didn't. you No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. You did. No, really, I didn't. Yes, you do. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I did not. Wait, did you just say that you did? Oh, no. <laughs> what did he say that he did? No, I said I didn't. <laughs> Cause you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. No, I didn't. Yes, you do. Whoa, whoa, watch it. Watch the fire over there. It's gonna burn you. Oh, thank you. 
פרצוף, זה... No, I did. Yes, you did. No, I did. You so freaking no, did. No, I did. Yeah, of course you did. No, I did not. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No. Yes, you did. No, I you didn't. You did! No, I didn't. You fucking did! No. Yes, you did! No, really, I didn't. Yes, you did! Okay, so that's that. And we get some real quick cuts there, too, that, that we haven't seen before on the show, where they're cutting between all the characters saying this. So, yeah, it, it, it's a good scene, and I can't describe it and do it justice, and you can't even just listen to it. You have to see it. It's just, it's just very silly, and I like the way they're turning this zombie kind of haunting trope on its head where it's like oh you killed us and all this stuff and then they the characters just become themselves and you know like they're trying to be zombies at first but they just fall into who they really are and it's like they never even died as for the character designs there frylock again is just normal frylock he doesn't have his uh pimp persona on anymore but shake his hands are a little bit more claw-like his straw is green and there is some like sludge coming out of it his eyes are more sunken in and he has like some stainage all over the bottom of him and on the side of him and, and his, his the top of his cup, I guess, is a little ripped. And otherwise, Meatwad is completely white. He's not brown at all. Shake looks kind of similar color-wise except for the green straw. It's just more muted maybe. But Meatwad is just white and his eyes are more sunken in. He has random debris sticking out of him and stuff. And then Carl, his fingernails look to be really long, which I don't understand why, but... We have a hole in his chest where he was stabbed. We see some ribs. Uh, part of his shirt is all ripped up. And yeah, it doesn't really make sense how these characters came back together because as we saw, Frylock completely obliterated them. All we had were a few pieces of meat from Meatwad and Shake Straw. And Carl, you assumed he was cut up a bunch to fit in that small garbage bag. But yeah, the characters are, are pieced back together, just, uh, you know, zombified. And it's really cool. To see these characters, you know, uh, and back to this episode and its new assets, which we're really not even done with yet, but we have all the zombie characters, we have the two women with Frylock, we had Frylock's, you know, his, his pimp persona attire, that new Frylock model, all sorts of stuff in this episode. And another new asset here is the fire, the whole house is being encompassed by fire. And this not being the normal Space Ghost campfire that we see in every other fire scene so far in the show, we have some new fire effects here. So again, this all lending to Season 2, having a bit more money to play with. And we also have smoke rising to the top of the house as well, which makes sense. You know, you have a fire inside, there'll be some smoke there. Again, Shake's chair still not anywhere to be seen. This all stemming from the fact that there's always something going on in this living room with a lot of things. So they can't have it there taking up space. And where does this whole scene go from here? We've got Frylock and the three zombies all kind of squished together with fire encompassing them. And we have Meatwad saying, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Well, that fades and we get a visual fade to Meatwad wearing a virtual reality helmet. He is in Frylock's bedroom. He's not a zombie anymore, right? It's just normal Meatwad with a VR helmet on and... Yeah, he's just saying, yes, you did. Yes, you did. So let's jump into that and see what the hell is going on in this episode. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, Meatwad. you did. Yes, Meatwad. you did. Meatwad, take off the headgear. <laughs> you stay away from me with your bad influence and your evil. You killed me. <laughs> I don't forget that. Relax, Meatwad. It's over. That was just a computer simulation. Wait a second. So, I'm not a zombie? Nope. No, you're not. But I crave brain. Computer simulation. <laughs> what happened next? I don't know. I kind of rolled myself into a corner there at the end. <laughs> Still, it was pretty realistic, though, don't you think? Oh, yeah, the graphics were great. <laughs> and especially 
the pains that I was feeling in the back of my head were very realistic. And that was just me, <laughs> jabbing you in the back of your head with this fun <laughs> Who did your job good? So, I hope you learned your lesson. Yes, I did. I mean, oh, I did. Wait, what was it? Don't you see, Meatwad? Having a pet is a large responsibility, and the simulation program proved to me that you are not mature enough to take care of a pet rabbit. Frylock, <laughs> is that what you think? Well, that's what I and the computer both know. Mm -hmm. Well, then, know this. <laughs> hey, Nathan, look! Fresh brains! Come on, lap them up while they're still warm. And thank them. Okay, so it's all revealed that that whole episode was a virtual reality simulation that Meatwad was in that Frylock wrote to show him that he's not prepared to take care of a pet. Although, you know, it really didn't have that much to do with Meatwad. If Meatwad just got a bunny, he would have been fine. Like, yeah, Meatwad can't take care of a giant fucking snake, sure. But that's not what he was asking for. I doubt that's what he wanted. And it's mostly all about Frylock, you know, killing everybody. <laughs> so, so really nonsensical, and I really like that. And then this takes a turn where... Meatwad says, no, this, and, he, and he, he pumps a shotgun and blows Frylock's head off, and then he says, oh, come here, Nathan, come get the brains while they're still thinking, and Meatwad rolls into Frylock's head, and then a, a giant zombie bunny jumps out. The bunny kind of green in color, it's really disheveled, it has long kind of fangs, and that's Nathan, so, so we're just like, what the heck's going on? But of course, the episode isn't over. Turns out this was all a simulation, but it wasn't Meatwad's simulation Frylock is wearing a VR helmet now, so we, we, we fade transition to that. So, so that previous stuff didn't happen. Well, I guess it kind of did in the simulation. Let's check it out. Oh, God, my brain! Turn the simulation off, please. Oh, God, my brain! Frylock, please. That was a computer simulation program, and it proved to me that you don't know what I like and what I like to do, and that is to tell you what to do. And you need to listen to what I say because I'm going to eat your brains. <laughs> so that's the episode right there. It was all a simulation that Frylock was, was a part of, I suppose, the entire thing, the simulations within simulations. None of it happened. The whole episode was Frylock playing some VR. We do, however, end on that cute joke of, of Miwad saying, oh, or I'm going to eat your brain. So kind of kind of tying into the episode. But yeah, it was all just just a goof. It didn't happen. And that really goes to kind of justify anything I pointed out in the episode that didn't make sense because it was all just simulations within simulations. So when I say, you know, oh, Miwad moves around differently within the snake, like, oh, that could just be because of the simulation. You know, uh, you can't even blame the animators of the episode because it was all just a simulation, you know, just just silly stuff like that. So so anytime I pointed some wrong stuff out, I always kind of wanted to be like, well, even though this isn't real, but, you know, that would have gotten a bit redundant. But that is Super Birthday Snake, guys. It was all a simulation. Actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend over and he brought his VR headset and we were playing some games on it. It's, it's so much fun. I, I really react strongly to VR. Like he had this one game where you like we went out and bought a plank, like a, just a, a, a long piece of wood that you can walk on. And in this game, you are up on top of a building and there is a plank sticking out. So, so you are walking on this plank in real life and then you have the VR headset on. You look around the sides and it's like you're actually looking down from a building. And it's so scary. Like I like in your head, you know, it's fake. But but when you're actually experiencing it, like your body still reacts to it like it's real. It's, it's just so scary. And then I played a game called Phasmophobia a little bit, which is a, a ghost hunting game. 
and like i i didn't even encounter the ghost i played it before on pc and i i can play it on pc just fine but in vr like i was just so scared it was insane so so i could really see like when you see the characters screaming oh no oh god you're like oh that's kind of uh cartoony but it's not because when i was playing vr i was like really screaming and shit like it's so scary vr really cool technology only gonna get better and better my fiance really likes it and we kind of go back and forth about like oh like maybe should we get one would, would that be cool but it always comes down to i think it's more of like a gimmick and novelty i i'm sure that there are people who really use their vr for gaming but my friend who had it himself said that he never really uses it. It's only like a fun party trick. Like he loves showing it to people, but he doesn't play stuff on his own. I I do really want VR for one reason though, and that is the new Half-Life game is VR only, but like I I just could not justify nor do I have the money to spend on a VR headset for one game, but really cool technology and, you know, very forward thinking of Matt and Dave in 2002, 2003. To write a whole episode around it because these days it's becoming more and more commonplace and it's very fun so again that is super birthday snake kicking off season two very strong this episode kind of convoluted you know uh almost in a way doing inception before inception did right those are kind of similar but but we got so many new assets this episode more than we would get in a stretch of episodes in season one so kicking off season two really strong in that regard you know they're doing higher concept things with more assets in it but the show is still itself you know like in the later seasons of the show when the characters move a lot more and stuff like that to me it's not quite the same i like i think this is a good really good middle ground in a way where we have a lot of new stuff and things aren't as static as early season one were but it still feels like aqua teen it's still silly there are still hilarious limitations that they must work within to create the show which give the show its charm and real quick, I want to point out, according to the Aqua Teen Wiki, this is the first episode where all the characters die, which is true, but, I mean, is it really? Like, it, the whole thing was a simulation, so nobody really died. You know, because in season one, we had Shake dying, definitely. I think this is the first time Meatwad dies, and it's the first time that Frylock dies. Not the first time Carl dies, because that's kind of his shtick, in a sense. But yeah, this is the first time all the characters die at once, definitely. But again, it's not real. So, you know, how do you want to quantify that or qualify that? I don't know. Anyways, yeah, lots of firsts in this episode. lot going on. I, I really appreciate this episode. Like I said at the beginning, this was never one of my favorites, but watching it now and really analyzing what they were doing, it really made me appreciate it more. So I think I'm going to give this episode four Oculus Quest headsets out of five. And this being, I'm kind of starting my rankings over now, or rather my ratings for season two so I'm, I'm thinking like in all of season two from what i know of it i i think this sits real comfortable at the at the four star slot four out of five on this one and yeah just really enjoyed it i i enjoy that carrie means gets to do more than just be the straight man in every single episode he, he gets to really show his acting chops and, and and gives frylock a little bit more to his character we see how frylock would act in certain situations and you know back in escape from leprechopolis we got a little hint of, of Frylock's inner workings in the deleted scenes of that episode where we see him chatting online to a woman. Again, deleted scene, not included in the episode, but we, we later see that kind of side of Frylock later on in the show, and this being one of the first times they pick that thread back up of Frylock isn't quite as, like, as straight as we think he is in terms of being nerdy and safe and all this stuff. Like He does have, have a bad boy side to him, and he does have 
uh, almost like a desperate side to him as well. So I'm glad we got to see that here. It's always a treat when we do. And just top to bottom, a great episode. I enjoyed it a lot. And season two starting strong. And it's only going to get better. So that's it for me. Thank you so much for hanging out with, uh, of course, all of season one. If you haven't heard any of those episodes, go and listen to them. They're all there. Thanks for checking out season two with me. And I'm just so excited to, to relive all these episodes and deep dive into them in this way. Like I said in the middle of the episode, if you like the show, if you like to support the show, that would really help me out. If not, just sharing the show helps out just as much. And if you want to, I know that Spotify just added a rating system. You can rate it like however many stars you want. Uh, I don't know what this influence is, but it's always nice for me to see when you guys leave nice reviews on iTunes or ratings, wherever. It's always nice to see. So that has an impact as well, at least mentally on me, I suppose, uh, if nothing else. So yeah, thanks guys for hanging out and I'll see you next week when we jump into season two, episode two, superhero, an awesome, fantastic episode. I mean, another kind of slice of life episode with these characters where they're all just hanging out in some form, which I've said are my favorite episodes because I just love these characters so much. So I'll see you guys next week for superhero. And after our normal music here, I, I didn't mention it until now. But this episode of Aqua Teen actually has a new outro only for this episode only. So I, I don't know who wrote it. I tried to look it up. I've seen people online asking, like, what is this music? Where can I download the full track? No idea. But it's a really kind of chilling hip hop track. So after our outro music here, you'll be hearing it. Before we head out, I got to say thank you, of course, to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, our $10 patrons, Sean, Ian, and Josh. Appreciate you guys. And I'll see you all next week for Superhero. Take it easy.